You're listening to Season 4, Episode 4. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Shop. My name is Therese and I am your host. I run a business called Small Business Collaborative and I am a business mentor who helps my clients grow and scale their wholesale. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can have a little look at my website. All the details are in the show notes and also follow me over on Instagram. I'm at small underscore business underscore collaborative because I always share a lot of tips and hints and advice over there. This week, well actually last week, I published my gift guides for the years which feature 90 small businesses that you can support this year for your holiday shopping. I really hope that you will check them out. I'm going to leave a link for the blog post over in the show notes as well and you can find some brilliant businesses to support. I really enjoy putting them together and the feedback on them has been great. So go and check them out. Today's episode is with Anita from Diverse Gifts, um, which is a gift store that has been going for 21 years. And she's based in Brixton in South London. And she would tell you much more about it in the episode. We did record this before the second lockdown. And so I think it was in the beginning of September, maybe. So uh, um, we will refer to, well, we actually talk about that we hope there won't be a second lockdown, but obviously we know that we were not that lucky. We also talk a lot about Black Lives Matters, Black Pound Day and how it's affected uh, Anita's business. She's a black owned business. So you get to hear how it has helped her have her best year ever. So, which is brilliant. And of course, that would not have happened without a good product range too. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. If you do, I would love to see where you, you are tuning in. You can tag me at small underscore business underscore collaborative and Anita on Diverse Gifts over on Instagram. And I hope that you enjoy Anita and I chatting about running a shop and business this year. Here's my chat with Anita. Hello, Anita. Thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Shop. I'm so excited to have you here. I would love for you to start off by introducing yourself and your business, please. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me, Therese. I'm Anita Thorpe. I'm the founder of Diverse, which is a design-led gift shop in Brixton, which is in South London. Um, I sell jewellery, gifts, cards, uh, prints and book and um, our business is known for the inclusive nature of the products that we offer. We've been going quite a long time on the 1st of August we celebrated our 21st year. Oh wow congratulations. Thank you and it feels like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the business is becoming an adult. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So when you started, I'm guessing, well, I mean, inclusion and diversity probably wasn't, it was probably not that common to have shops that was aimed and that open to that. Um, No, Um, Brixton, if anybody knows it, will know that it's a very racially diverse 
um, location. Mm. When I started, although there was a, a lot of mixing and I would even argue harmony in the community mm. in terms of business, it was very black or very white. Um, so firstly, you didn't have any um, design-led gift shops because I, I suppose the area was regarded as quite down market then. And there were some what was known as culture shops, some shops run by black people specializing in artwork, generally crafts um, from Africa and the Caribbean. But with mm. regard to generic gifts, I think there was mainly the only the department store Morley's, which still exists, but there yeah. weren't any boutique type shops like there are today. Yeah, now it's completely changed in your US business. Yes, yeah. I mean, it is it is known for its hipness and its trendiness and independent shops. Also got up in price a lot. It certainly has. When you started your business, why was it important for you to uh, offer an, in, like, an inclusive and diverse range? To be honest, I didn't think that deeply about it. Um, what I wanted to do was create a point of difference from the businesses that um, that were around. Um, Brixton eventually got its very first um, branch of joy. Um, oh, yeah. The, first branch, the joy is a, a lifestyle um, store. And it was typical design-led gifts. And then you had a, what the culture shops, what we call culture shops that I mentioned. And I really liked the idea of a design-led gift shop, but I also wanted something where I could see myself reflected uh, as, a, as a black person. And I thought having that angle would make my shop different to what was already existing in the area. And do you think that you mainly appeal to one, like, did you, because I guess the culture shops that you, you talked about, they mainly appeal to maybe black shoppers and Morley's, for example, mainly appeal to white shoppers, perhaps. That's did right. you feel that you bridged that gap? I, I, I do feel that I bridged that gap. And um, for a long time, my customer base was probably 60 to 70% white and 30 to 40% black. So, yes, I think the business successfully bridged that gap and still does. That's amazing. Have you seen your customer base change throughout the years? I think I have more black customers now than I did when I started out. And I often wonder why that's the case. And I think that for a long time, it reflected the pattern of disposable income in our society. And that's changed over the years. And I, I think I've seen that in terms of the change in my customer base as well. Yeah, and I guess it's also changed a lot in your area with the prices going up so yeah. massively. Yeah. Yes, yes, it certainly has. And how has business been now during, I mean, we're out of the lockdown now, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that will stay that way. But how, how was it during the lockdown? Well, during the lockdown, there was no business. We closed on the 23rd of March, like other non-essential businesses, and we reopened on the 15th of June. Mm -hmm. Business since lockdown has been, in all honesty, very good. Initially, that was because I think people were glad to, 
to, to see that we were back because some local businesses didn't make it. Also, people had money because they hadn't been spending during yeah. lockdown. And, and I think they were just anxious to feel normal again. So yeah. for the first few weeks after lockdown, we were we were quite busy. And then, unfortunately, we had the incident with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And that, together with Black Lives Matter and Black Pound Day, yeah. made black businesses more visible. So yeah. we got a lot of interest because we are a black-owned business. And that also impacted on our bottom line in a positive way. But during the lockdown, did you... Did you have a web shop before lockdown? Yes, yes, yes. Our e-commerce increased dramatically up until that point. We'd been doing okay, but nothing fantastic. As people started to shop online more, um, we noticed a dramatic increase. And again, when Black Pound Day, the first Black Pound Day occurred on, I think it was the 26th of June, Sales online just went through the roof. That has now died down slightly, but what we're trying to do is to maintain that that impetus. Yeah, and maybe retain those customers. It doesn't Absolutely. have to all happen at once, right? But next time they want to order something, yes. that they keep you in mind. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I suppose for your business, it would be better, I guess, if it was all the time higher rather than big spikes yes if it was all that if it was consistent and and higher yes of course it's it's easier to manage that way and we are seeing some residual sales we you know our website tells us how many times people have ordered and we can see that some people who first ordered from us during lockdown or on black pound day are coming back to order again the orders are slightly smaller but they're consistent and and that's what we need and that's amazing. That has that has had a good big impact on your online econ business because how much did that represent from your business before, you know, everything that has happened this year versus now? Before lockdown, maybe ten percent. You know, it really it really wasn't doing very much. And I think that's partly about all the other supplementary activity that it takes to give a a, 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 a a website profile like social media, regular blogging, regular newsletters and so forth. And perhaps I wasn't doing as much of that as I should should have been doing. Say it is nearer thirty percent. That's turnover. Great. Yeah. And if you can maintain that, that would be amazing. Well that's that's my focus now, definitely. And that way you're it's safer too in case we get any local lockdowns or anything happens right absolutely this is again why it's my focus Uh, already we're seeing restrictions being brought back in and you know I am quite apprehensive about autumn and uh, the Christmas period which is so important to gift shops so I'm really working to ensure that our website is ready should we go into a second lockdown and sales increase. Does that mean that you now put all your products on the website always and stuff yes. like that? Yeah, yeah. So going back to talk a little bit more about what happened with Black Lives Matter and the Black Pound Day and stuff like that, what did you see that you the type of shoppers that came through the 
I guess both the doors and the virtual doors <laughs> changed at all because of that? Or was it just more of them? Well, we don't know the ethnicity of people who shop online. Oh, of course, you don't know that. <laughs> but maybe um, they, were, they were spread out more, for example, you know. Possibly. I, I know that in the shop, our proportion of black customers have increased, has increased. And now I would say it's more 50-50, definitely. Black Pound Day had a profound impact on the psyche of our community and really raised awareness of the need for us to support our own businesses if we are to empower ourselves economically and socially. Yeah. Do you think you can explain a little bit and tell the listeners what Black Pound Day is for those who don't know what it is? Black Pound Day was founded by a man called Swiss who used to be a member of the rap group, So Solid Crew, which some of you might remember. And he wanted to build on the energy that came out of the Black Lives Matter movement after the unfortunate death of George Floyd. And he wanted people to understand the link between economic power and social and political empowerment. And he also wanted the black community in particular to understand that we are responsible for our own empowerment. And one of the ways we can empower ourselves is to support black owned businesses and invest money back into our community, which in turn would produce jobs and opportunities for the community. Black Day is open to um, anyone from any background to support black businesses. And as a business, we saw support from people of all ethnicities. That's amazing. And I think that's the whole idea with, you know, Black Lives Matter as well. And I think it's important. It's like an important thing to say, you know, it's not to take away sales from anyone else. It's about redistributing it and make more active choices in life yes more more conscious choices in much the same way that we would i don't know choose to buy products because they are they have minimal impact on the environment yeah it is about making choices but it's it's not about exclusion it is about inclusion yeah and i think that um that is a big thing isn't it that you know that i think if everyone in our Society can understand that and get get behind it. There's nothing to like about it, uh, not to like about not it. Not to like about it, absolutely not. I think it's a very similar. So I, I we do have some listeners in the US and abroad and stuff, which is why I said, you know, what is Black Pound Day? Because I do think it's a bit of a British thing. Like in America, they have, uh, I know retailers have their 15% pledge, for example. That's right. It's 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 along the same principles, but um, I must say, black businesses in the states, black consumers in the states, have been um, encouraging the community to buy from black-owned businesses for for decades. I can remember in on my first ever visit to America in the eighties, I think it was, walking through um, Harlem and Brooklyn and seeing signs saying this is a black-owned shop. Mm. And I thought that was so strange at the time. I knew what they were trying to achieve, and I often wondered if the same thing could work in in Britain. I don't think it could have worked back then. 
but it's certainly working now. I think that it was almost not hidden. It was just nothing we talked about. Or if you said, oh, that business is owned by a black person or that business is owned by a Asian person. Like it was almost like you were being racist for saying that, whereas now it's yeah. something we should say and talk about. Yes, but I, I think that's very much to do with um, our society's discomfort around discussing racial matters and the assumption that if you mention colour or ethnicity or race, you're somehow against that group, when that's not necessarily the case. You know, sometimes it's about reinforcing identity. Sometimes mm. it's about being proud. Sometimes it's simply about acknowledging the other and not putting a value on that at all. Yeah, and I think we have the same with sexuality, but for some, at one stage it became, rightly so, much more acceptable to talk about sexuality. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why we felt more comfortable talking about that than race, why it didn't go hand in hand, but I'm glad it's moving that way now. It is, it is. So, you know, you've been running a shop for a long, long time. How do you source new suppliers and what do you look for in new suppliers? I tap into local networks. Um, for a number of years, I worked with a local makers network called Makerhood and each um, festive season, mm -hmm. I would have a, a, a create a space for them in my shop and have a showcase of their members' work. Oh. And that produced a number of leads in terms of um, suppliers because many of them went on to become suppliers in my, my shop. I get people coming in because they know we, we sell a lot of handmade and locally made products. And I get people coming in and showing me their work. Do you like that? Um, well, I often give them a card and ask them to contact me online. But it's it's great that we get the, the recognition as a supporter yeah. of local creativity. I get quite a few of my new suppliers from Instagram. Okay. You know, we're close to people's creativity all the time. Back in the day, it was Etsy. I'd approach people on Etsy whose work I liked and um, and ask them if they would supply me. But most of my buying is still done through trade shows, and in the early days it was the only way I, I sourced new suppliers. Yeah, and wait, what, what trade shows do you normally visit? Maybe, not, you know, obviously not right now, but... <laughs> no, 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 although they have virtual showrooms online. I, Top Draw and Pulse mm. um, were my two favourites. I uh, go to Spring Fair, both... Um, spring and autumn. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been to Maison in Paris. Yeah. Um, but now I tend to I tend to stay stay local. Maison's brilliant, but um, I because I like to buy locally and I like to buy from UK suppliers. Yeah. Where I can, I tend to buy locally. Yeah, and it, that's nice. And what what do you how do you feel about trade shows not happening this autumn? I'm I'm disappointed, but you know, up to fifty percent of my buying has been done online for the last few years. Mm. So as long as I can still get access to suppliers to source new product, it's not really um, it's not really a problem. I shall, I shall miss the social aspect. Um, it's good to meet people face to face. Nothing beats but, that, um, does it? Oh no, people buy from people. Yeah, that's very true. And seeing the products in real life makes such a difference, yeah. especially if you're buying for a brick and mortar. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Um, I like. Um, I'll miss the seminars as well. Mm. 
because that was a great opportunity to to learn. But again, we should be able to access those online. Have you looked at any of the online platforms yet? No, no, not yet. I have registered, but I I haven't actually accessed them yet. It's just a matter of time, really. So far, what I've heard from retailers is that it's hard to find the time, especially if you have less staff still or, you know, because you have to be in front of your computer all day and and also with a physical show, you had to make the time to go on a set number of days or you'd have missed the boat. Yeah. And being able to access them anytime means that sometimes they slip down your list of priorities and you don't quite get around to <laughs> doing it, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think that's really unfortunate as well for the, all the suppliers that have signed up because I think they are expecting people to get you know, the show to happen online and then people get in touch right away, but actually it might be a slightly slower burn. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, we're all going to have to get used to different ways of working and making the best of the situation that we're in. I think what's most important is that the orders do come in and get fulfilled. That's the most important thing. In terms of um, how I choose suppliers yeah and what's important to me I think creativity and uniqueness are probably top of the list so if I am to use an old phrase surprised and delighted yeah by something I see the chances are my customers will be as well because my customers are quite design literate yeah and um, and maybe creators themselves in one form or another so I think a product that is is different, is is probably top of my list, different to what I've seen before or something that is put in a new spin Mm -hmm. on a product that's already out there. I think the second most important thing for me is quality. The finish should be on point. Presentation, if there's packaging, should also be high quality. Yeah. And And I think the third thing for me would be that it's made from natural material Mm -hmm. Um, we're trying to use less and less plastic and artificial materials for want of a better term yeah and the fourth thing for me would be price and that's that doesn't mean cheap necessarily just a, a a price point that that my particular market that i think my particular market will will bear yeah and it's more about value you know and perceived value maybe then that's right then then actual monetary price yeah but i guess it has to sit with whatever in in similar price point to what else you're doing that's right that's right and do you think about if it's a black owned business or not when you source new products yes yes i do i and particularly now on my website for example i have created a collection of products that have been supplied by black owned companies Mm -hmm. because just like we're asking the community to support black owned businesses i think as business owners we have certainly i have a responsibility to seek out and support black producers and other black owned companies that that have the kind of products that my customers want to buy yeah yeah 
I completely agree. I think that the whole discussion started earlier in the year. I, I was speaking to G- Gina from AfroTouch Design that you saw. Yeah. And we uh-huh. were saying, you know, if the population is, I can't actually remember how many percent right now, but if X amount of the population is black, why cannot that be representative with, you know, as a minimum uh-huh. with, you know, what, what, the ethnicity of your suppliers are yes yeah yeah it's not just about buying from people because they look like you that's part of, <laughs> that's a small part of the story you know you've also got to be able to produce and deliver of course. and produce to the standard that's required so we're not talking about making exceptions for people but it's about acknowledging that those people have always been there and it's about making an effort to reach out yeah, you still need the quality. Like, actually, AfroTouch Design is a perfect example of that. You know, you Judina can supply high-quality products at the similar price points to what your other ranges are. And, you know, so there's always products that are good products to find out there. Yes, yeah. And it is just, it, it is about, you know, I, I've, I've been to trade shows and I've spoken to black people who are um, exhibitors and they've said to me often white buyers will just walk past their stand yeah you know just glance at them and walk past their stand and not even look at at what they're offering Mm. which is often highly creative and very beautiful Mm. and you know we have to get over that we have to get beyond that yes and if that means that we have to make the, you know, take it a step further to then be able to, you know, that we make a point of stopping so that l- later that becomes a natural act- action, I think we have to make mm-hmm. a point of it. And I think that's yeah. what, what the 15% pledge is about in America. It's about making the effort actively so that, you know, that becomes part of your store's DNA or makeup. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very much what Black Pound Day is about. It's about putting a spotlight on black businesses to get us into the habit Mm. of engaging with these businesses so it becomes second nature. Yeah, yeah. It shows that, you know, your customer audience, because it's maybe 50-50 now, it shows Mm -hmm. that everyone appreciates that. That's right. That's right. People are discovering us who didn't know about us before and they're saying yeah this is a great business Mm. I want to do more business with you and that's what it's about and eventually it ceases to be about consciously supporting a black business a black business and it becomes about supporting a good business yeah and I think that's something to strive for for us as a society to get to that stage but to get there we have to do a bit of extra work I think Uh, uh, that's right we have to do extra work we have to be conscious we have to be vigilant and you know when people say why all this focus on black businesses why not other businesses as well you know it sh- shows a lack of understanding of how this dynamic works and w- and that it will take this conscious effort to get us to a point where we we are doing these things unconsciously yeah it, we we need to reprogram ourselves a bit, I think. Sure. What do you expect from new suppliers? What what do you need from them? 
when I take on a supplier, what I'm looking for is somebody who is first and foremost reliable, who delivers when they say they're going to deliver and delivers what they say they're going to deliver. A supplier who has integrity and is trustworthy. So, for example, if they say I'm going to be the only person in my area selling their products, they stick to that promise, or if they want to change that agreement, they'll at least come and discuss it with me first. I think it's important that suppliers have capacity so that, you know, if interest in their, their product or service grows, they are able to fulfill orders. And I think it's really important to have suppliers who are pleasant to, to work with. You know, the old saying that people buy from people is true. And, you know, I have stopped doing business with people who have had great products, but weren't particularly pleasant people to work with. So, you know, those are the, the, the main criteria for me. And I also think it's important that people are interested in their business and committed to it and are constantly seeking to develop it by producing new products and not just churning out the same types of products season after season absolutely you have to continue to innovate you have to continue to innovate absolutely you know customers are expecting newness all the time and if both my suppliers and myself are to stay in business we need to give it to them so when you look at new suppliers about the price a bit like what sort of margins do you require because you work with both makers and you know people that manufacture I guess do you require different margins from them what do you work to Um, my margins for makers tend to be smaller Mm -hmm. because I know they haven't got the economy of scale in terms of production Mm -hmm. uh, and turnover Um, their work is more likely to be more labor intensive their work is likely to cost more and when I'm working, certainly when I'm working with local people, they're working with a higher cost of living. Mm. So I need to take all those things into account. So my commission, if you like, my discount, my margin tends to be smaller. Yeah. And then when you work with slightly larger businesses, then it goes up to maybe the more right. normal industry standard. They tend to be able to offer better terms. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess that's also why it's important that you have a mix of both in your store. Yes. Yeah. If people contact you, so of course, more things are done online, so you might not get as many people popping in trying to sell you stuff, but say they reach out to you on Instagram or on email, does that work for you? What's the best way? Yes, it does. Um, We ask people to, uh, and there's actually a a, a statement to this effect on our website, we ask people to contact us us by email Mm -hmm. initially with a link to their online presence whatever that might be, whether it's social media or a website or Etsy or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and to give us some indication of their wholesale prices and their retail prices. And then we can make a decision about whether we think their product is something that could work for us without going to the effort of setting up a meeting that might not produce anything. Yeah, I think things happen much more online now. Well, now because we have to, but also before because we're always time poor as small business owners. Yes, yes. And as makers, they are also under pressure because many of them are doing their making 
or their artwork in addition to a full-time job. Yeah, you can't take half a day to go and visit a shop. <laughs> <laughs> so it is about making more more effective use of time, mm. working smarter. Do you find that uh, you get uh, approached a lot that way? Uh, face-to-face or online? Online. Um, yes, we do. We do. And it, increasingly so in the current climate as perhaps people are becoming unemployed and so need to find another source of income or suppliers they were work sorry outlets they were working with have not reopened mm. they're looking for new new businesses to work with yeah of course. so the, the amount of people approaching me has actually gone up yeah since come out of of lockdown well with the lack of trade shows real life trade shows maybe that's not such a bad thing yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I am. there's no shortage of choice well that is hard isn't it <laughs> how are you as a buyer are you quite decisive or do you like to sit on it a bit um i am fairly decisive now having run the business for such a long time i have a fairly good idea of what can work with us work for us sorry occasionally i'm surprised occasionally i buy something i'm not sure about and it turns out to be a runaway success yeah <laughs> very rarely i buy something that i'm in love with and it doesn't sell oh, that's good. on the whole i have a fairly good idea of, of what will work for us that's good and is there anything in particular that you're looking for now are you still buying for autumn um i am buying with christmas in mind i tend to buy fairly close to the season but in terms of the type of thing I'm looking for I'm very very open I'm constantly looking to be surprised when you've been doing this type of work a long time it's easy to become jaded mm. so I, I tend to have a very very open approach to buying and do you think have you whether it's conscious or unconscious have you changed how you buy what you're looking for this season because you we don't know if you know now when online is playing a bigger part of your business has that changed what you're looking for no no not not really I'm still looking for the unusual the well-made still looking to work with people who are organized reliable yeah Nothing's changed in that respect. That's good to say. It's, you still get the same experience in a way online as you do. At least the same offer. You can never get the same experience, can you? Yeah, no, no. Although we, we try, you know, we try to be prompt. We try to be polite in our, our communications with our customers. We try to be helpful if things go wrong. Yeah. They don't go wrong very often. So we, we do try to replicate the shop standard of service with our online customers yeah i think that's really important but you know that the service is always key i think that, that i think what's changed for me is having to refresh the offer perhaps more often than before lockdown okay. simply because i think more people are buying locally yeah and so i'm seeing the same faces on a fortnightly basis whereas perhaps i might not have seen people you know, from one month to the next. Similarly, with Black Pound Day, putting the spotlight on 
our business. I think it's very important to have a new offer uh, every month because Black Pound Day is a monthly event. Yeah, that's true. So you might have to turn like you might you have to face make sure you have things every two weeks or every month. Yeah, we're having to shake things up. That that's one change I've noticed. Oh, that's really interesting. I think that that uh, that is something that is happening more and more in general. Like, even though we might have slowed down during lockdown and because of the pandemic, uh, we do spend more time online. <laughs> That's right. And, and people don't want to see the same things all the time. Yeah. And we've, we have got a very spoiled for choice nowadays, aren't we? We are. What, how do you feel about retail this autumn? What, what do you think will happen? To be honest, Therese, I have no idea. I'm completely open-minded. I am a little apprehensive mm-hmm. because I'm, as I said, I've noticed that new restrictions are being brought in. I'm hoping we don't go into a second lockdown. I think that would be catastrophic for the country as a whole, retail in particular. Yep. Um, if we keep going the way we are, I'd be more than happy because we're doing far better than I expected. Are you back to like sales similar to this time last year or? We have surpassed. Oh, that's so exciting. We have, uh, what has happened to our business since we've come out of lockdown is nothing short of miraculous. You know, the stars aligned and I think it's one of the best years we've had since we opened 21 years ago. That is just amazing. I love In the middle that. Of the pandemic, it's incredible. And I'm still trying to work out what's driving that. Um, and as I said, I think it's a combination of the focus on black businesses, support from our traditional customer base, and a lot more people shopping locally. Yeah, it's like everything comes together. Yeah. It's and I hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't you think that people that are shopping more locally, like I feel like, you know, that is has slowly been a trend, right, within our industry. Yeah. But I think- and yes, that has been an increasing trend. I, I think, you know, the kind of excursions that people would have at the weekend to other village type areas has uh, has stopped staying very close to home and shopping locally perhaps as a as a necessity rather than an ideal yeah i think that um we've also realized that if we don't use the services locally and uh, maybe this is not so much of a case in in you know such a highly populated area as brixton but definitely out in villages and stuff we realize you know, mm. if we don't support our local businesses they won't be there so if we haven't maintained shopping in at the local butchers or at the local corner shop then we have no corner shop when things happen that that is true and um you know as the supermarkets got cleared out during lockdown people were forced to rely on smaller traders yeah and i think come to appreciate the value of them yeah I think so. And we've got more of a first-hand experience of why it's important that we shop local, that we could have, as more businesses, we could just not have planned that in any way. Or, you know, it doesn't matter sometimes how many times you say to people, well, if you shop local, you, you know, more money stays local. But this really showed that. Not everybody gets that. And, you know, I think a lot of us are still more concerned about convenience. Mm 
and price than we are about supporting a, a local business because it in turn supports us. Yeah. Uh, and we want it to be around and we want to keep money in the community. And I think it is still the case that only a minority of people understand that principle. Mm. I could be wrong, but that's that's no, my impression. No, I think but you're right. But Lockdown has changed that. I think, as I said, I think that, uh, you know, as the supermarkets were less able to deliver because of panic buying, mm. people stopped many people, because some people have always supported their local business, but many people rediscovered their local butcher, their local baker, their local grocer, mm. and they retained that relationship. Yeah. And before, I mean, shopping at the butchers might have been foreign to some people if you've never done it. Mm. And you started doing it again, you realize how nice it is. It is, yes. You know, people get to know you, they get to know what you like, they can order things specifically for you, get a more personalized service. It might not be as cheap as a supermarket, although in some cases it is it can actually be cheaper, particularly in terms of fruit and vegetables. Yeah. But you get a you get a, a much more personalized service. Yeah, and I definitely think that gift shops and you know, um, interior shop, local independent shops, they're not more expensive than than buying the same thing in, I don't know, John Lewis a lot of times. You know, if you buy one of your cards, so if you buy uh, Jordania from AfroTouch card in your shop, it's going to be priced the same as it is in Waterstones. Yeah, yes, yes, it can, can sometimes be a myth. We're all buying from the same sources and most of us have similar markup levels. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think is going to be your bestseller this Christmas? Have you got any feelings out there for it? I think books will continue. We're, we're selling a phenomenal um, amount of books. People are, again, because of the unfortunate incidents over the summer, people have become very interested in black literature, yeah. both fiction and non-fiction books by black authors. People are very interested in books discussing matters around race, racial disparity mm. and people are very interested in books that deal with health matters yeah. and maintaining a healthy lifestyle and I anticipate that um, that will be the best seller for us going through the autumn um, to Christmas. And is that something you stocked before everything unfolded? Yes we, we did stock, um, in fact we got into to books almost accidentally I never used to stop book. I was books. I was aware of um, book distributors, but I didn't feel that it's something that could particularly work for us. Mm. And a customer asked me to order something online because they weren't familiar with online shopping. They asked me to track down and order um, a particular book for them, which I happened to get at a very good price. Mm. And um, being a, a, a trader. I ordered a couple of extra copies for the shop. Mm. I thought I could sell them at the recommended retail price and, and make a bit of money to cover the time I'd spent researching and purchasing this book for this customer. Yeah. Now, that's a service you probably couldn't get in John Lewis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the, I think I ordered two or three copies, and they oh, they all sold in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh, wow. <laughs> So I ordered some more copies and the same thing happened again. And I thought, oh, people have become interested in books again. Mm -hmm. And that um, that started our, our book selling collection, our books collection, sorry. And, yeah, the rest is history. Now books make up 
I think it's 25% of our offer. Amazing. I, I come from, you probably don't know, but I worked in, part of my career has been, you know, working at a book publisher. So very much, oh. and selling into shops like, you know, not bookshops, but more shops like yours. So I've had that similar discussion with many people (laughs) people that get surprised with how much books can represent of their turnover. Yes, I am. I am genuinely surprised. We also um, are increasingly being known for our collection of inclusive children's books as well. And that accounts for a lot of our sales. And I think, um, that was something I talked a lot about with someone when things happen with Black Lives Matter. It's, it's not that easy to find. There, There's some great ones that are readily available. But there's, you know, someone I was chatting to and I actually bought this book for a friend afterwards. She is black and he, her husband is white. And, you know, finding a children's story that is representative of that was really difficult. Yes, yeah. Yeah, mm. there was a, a move towards making children's books more inclusive, even before, even before um, the Black Lives Matter movement. That was something that was on the rise, and um, and of course, when Black Lives Matter happened or the movement um, happened, it just exploded interest in that area. I'm so glad about that, though, because I remember maybe three, four years ago, because I also did book buying, I um, I was trying to source a potty trading book for a retailer which that had black children in it. Yes. I could only find something in America, and of course, then it was in American rather than English, so that didn't work, mm. but I think things yes. will get easier now. Yes, it is. It is a lot easier. And that makes mm. me happy. <laughs> New books uh, are coming on, on stream all the time by black authors, but also um, by non-black authors who are conscious of the appeal of inclusive books mm-hmm. and are trying to make their books more representative. Yeah. And I welcome both. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed chatting with you and hearing your story. I would love for you to share with the listeners how people, how they can find you, where they can connect with you and where they can buy from you. Okay, well, we are located, our physical store is located at 390 Colt Harbour Lane in the heart of Brixton, just five minutes from the... Uh, Victoria Line Tube Station. Mm. We are also online at diversegifts.co.uk. And if you'd like to contact us, our email address is info at diversegifts.co.uk. Yeah, and I'll pop that all in the show notes. And of course, you're on Instagram as well, right? Yes, we are. Our uh, Instagram handle is diversegifts. Ditto. Twitter and Facebook. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Anita, for coming on the show. And thank you so much to all of you who are listening. This podcast has had over 16,500 listens now, or downloads, I suppose, is measured in, which I just can't even comprehend that number. Uh, I would never have imagined that when I started it last summer. So it's a year and a bit now, all the podcast. Next week's episode is going to be completely different to the normal. I'm actually going to have six guests 
and there will be a little snippet of each. We organised together a um, little online Instagram market and we have some events planned and we got some reels planned and we got promotions and things happening and uh, I uh, decided to put together a special podcast episodes with the businesses involved and I'm asking them about their best and worst business advice. So I thought it could be quite interesting to hear for everyone what other small businesses have been told and what has worked for them and what hasn't worked. So do tune in next week. That will be published next Monday and I hope that you have a lovely week and that you are seeing really strong Christmas sales and I um, hope you tune in next week. Thank you so much for listening.